Want to help keep the lights on in Anarchy Basement? Then go to PRLfans.com. There you can find links to Patreon, PayPal, our Bitcoin info, and other ways to help support the podcast. Now, enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Matt Bergman, and you're listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast, episode 304. I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman. What up? Kyle Wagner. Hey guys, how's it going? Nima Vidati. Yo! And Dave Gregg. Hey everybody. Hey Kyle. Hey Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, see, I, Dave, I see you've still got that like creepy thing going with Kyle. <laughs> still going. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about, man? It's <laughs> nice to see everybody. It's just nice to see everybody's face. Yours too, Kyle. <laughs> it's good to see you again dave it's been a while yeah man glad to be back in the fold let's liberate some motherfuckers what what does your shirt say does it say deers pears pears my next guess was going to be bears pears nope. would have been my last guess pears are pears pears okay. what's that pears isn't that the band on uh fat records yeah they're super fucking good hell yeah all right. Just release. I thought you were representing the fruit, man. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> apples, dude. That's my that's my clothing line. I'm gonna start that up. Watermelon, you know, it's like honeydew. That, you right can't. Across. Yeah, you can't do watermelon. That would be that would be racist. Oh, uh, Kyle. Yes. Dude, my goodness. <laughs> that that would, be, that would be racist. Um. Okay. So speaking of things that are racist, Andrew Cuomo has said this week that chicken wings are not food. Not food. Food, yeah. not food. Like Yo Gabba Gabba, right? Dude, like... like what was I, the context of it? Um, okay, so they're talking about like uh, places in New York that are open, like food places that are open, and I guess like some of them would have to close. But um, it, it's, it sounds like Cuomo is mad that some places are able to serve like chicken wings, and then they're able to stay open and sell booze. I think it was uh, bars, right? Like right, bars yeah. didn't want to close, so they were their pivot was, well, we'll sell food. Yeah, you know, and they can't close us, and so they were selling like bags of chips or like three French fries or like microwave burrito. <laughs> and Cuomo was like, "You can't do that. You got to sell like." So I think the the cutoff was sandwich. It's got to be sandwich or better. <laughs> it's below <laughs> sandwich. Yeah, but like count. he specifically said chicken wings. Chicken like, wings like don't don't count. And but it's I like, think they do. Right? I think if they they're do. on bread. I think if they they're do. on bread, they count. No, shut the fuck up. Dude, like honestly <laughs> like seen chicken wings on bread, dude. Dude, like like once every like it's a sandwich. Like probably once every two months. Um, like my wife and I, we just go out to like, you know, the local the local neighborhood carry out and I'll get like ten whole wings. And yeah. uh, I get like a bucket like that, and it's filled with French fries. And we'll, we'll bring them home, and then uh, throw an old bay on the fries, and then just like you know, eat, eat the wings with hot sauce. And it, it's a substantial dinner. It's 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 a great meal. Um, so that's why I take offense to this uh, to this statement. <laughs> that's like seriously. And consider you what said he, that's so vulnerable. Well, consider what he's what he's doing, right? Like think about all the different places that have closed because of COVID, right? And this guy's mad that some places are able to like stay open, make some money, um, you know, like serve people. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
and wings like i'm with you man wings are substantial like yeah. there's wing stop there's pluckers like those are whole restaurant chains based around chicken wings yeah like it's buffalo looks, wild wings. a different cutoff yeah, the government, the government doesn't like when you find loopholes to their laws that they pretend are, you know, iron curtains. Um, yeah. You know, they get they get pretty pissed off when you find ways around that. So, well, New, New York is very strict, and um, I was supposed to go on vacation uh, in two weeks with my girlfriend and her family to Lake George. And um, apparently, they'll, they're saying like, if you're from out of state. Or maybe it's just Maryland, but you have to um, self-quarantine for 14 days. Uh, once you arrive in the state, you're not really uh, allowed to go to like restaurants and things like that. And um, so we had this vacation plan. There, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but there was this whole drama where the people that are staying at the place where we're staying knew we were coming up, and they threatened to report the owner of the the little ho- the cabins if we came up because, you know, I guess we wouldn't be quarantining or whatever. We would still be enjoying our vacation. I don't know. But that anyway, seems so, like a really hard policy to enforce. It does. But I, I was told like when I get off the plane in Albany that I'll have to sign something or uh, make a statement that I will self quarantine for 14 days. But anyway, to make a long story short, the vacation was canceled. So now we're, you know, staying home or she and I will probably go to Ocean City or something like that. But um, New York is, is extremely strict. It's crazy. Well, didn't they threaten some huge fine? Like that's how they were going to try to enforce it. Like they weren't going to be able to get everybody. But it was like five G's or something. They were oh, going to wow. fine you if, if they catch you not being in quarantine, something like that. Where it wouldn't surprise me. It's weird, like, um, you know, I just, New York and California, it, it's weird how New York is one of the three states, I think, that has, like, the highest number of cases or the highest rate, and they're like, well, we don't want any of these Marylanders coming in here, and it's like, you know, we should be worried about the New Yorkers, and the New, it's New York, New Jersey, I saw, like, a map with the states, and it's like 50% of the cases are in three states or something like that, ridiculous. You know, and and so I just I was really surprised that they would say this about Marylanders, but wow, yeah, that that does kind of make sense, like right. Um, so what are their? I mean, are, are there like you said, fifty eight percent of the cases are in three states? I don't know about I don't know about the exact numbers. I but I know a lot, like a lot, a substantial percentage. Well, it's of New York. It's what COVID New York, cases. Florida, New York, Florida, and California, right? No, it's definitely. I thought New Jersey. I I was pretty sure. You know, I think I think my wife told me that uh, like I think it was like yesterday the day before there was like 1,200 cases in Maryland in like one 12- day. Yeah, I, I believe so. Something like that. I don't know. I just went to New Jersey on vacation about two three weeks ago. Uh, went yeah. to the beaches out there, and I checked you know the 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 hot zone map, and it you know obviously New York was red and New Jersey was like a you know burnt amber. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't uh, whatever that means. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I guess I don't have it. I don't know. Which which beach did you go to? I'm looking for a vacation replacement now. Wildwood. Wildwood. It's nice, man. Yeah. It's a cool. Where, where was the Jersey Shore filmed? No clue. Jersey Shore is a long stretch. So there's Wildwood, Atlantic City, Ocean City, New Jersey. They have an ocean city too. I think ours is better though. Are the beach? What are the beaches like? Is the water cold? Is it blue? Is it clean? Is it nice? 
No. No. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's ocean water, you know, the beaches, the beaches in Wildwood were very clean. There's, there's no bars on the boardwalk. So, you know, it's a, it's a different type of people. It's all people vacationing from Philly and, uh, you know, no bars on the boardwalk and it's just like a family town. They don't have a lot of bars, but, you know. This is the U.S., yeah, 4.2 million cases, 146,000 deaths. That's where we're at. Yeah, and it, it does look like California has the most total cases at uh, 458,000. Now, so, this map is showing the south is much worse now than well, uh, the northeast. It's Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, the whole southern. Uh, you're not going to be able to see it if I hold it up, but like the whole um, southeastern section of the U.S. is like red. I don't know. Well, maybe I'm totally wrong, but I know I know that I saw that at one point. Yeah. So, Nemo, the docs next time. So, Nemo, what's this? Uh, what's this about uh, this dude, uh, Garrett Foster? Garrett Foster. He was. Some people describe him as a libertarian. Uh, I, this morning, when I was on my Facebook, somebody was like, "Well, one of us got shot at a protest," and by "us," he in parentheses meant libertarians. He um, was married to a quadruple amputee wife or fiance. I think they were engaged um, and she was black and he'd been really into the anti-police brutality protests going on in Austin. Now in Austin, it hasn't really been riots. It's been a mostly clean. The only big violence we've seen has been cops tear gassing people. I think they, uh, they killed or put one UT student into uh, to critical condition with a tear gas. They've done other horrible things. But this was actually not police involved at all. This guy, Garrett Foster, was walking um, on 4th and Congress, which that's my normal spot. That's where I park. If the bars were open, I would have been an eyewitness. That's where I park before I go DJ. Of course, the bars are shut down here, so I'm not doing that. But it's on Congress, which if you're on Congress, you can see the Capitol and 4th Street. And that's where the protests go. They go from 7th Street, then they go up to the Capitol uh, on Congress. And at, at around 4th Street, a driver in some car drove up and was aggressive with the protesters. The protesters don't block the roads here. They just walk from the police station to the Capitol chanting and holding up signs. But the guy, I guess, wanted to go, had some road rage, gunned it at the protesters. Garrett Foster, he carries an AK with him to every protest he's gone on. Some witnesses said he'd been going to every protest for the past 55 days, you know, since, I guess, presumably George Floyd. And he went up to talk to the guy who was gunning it and, and threatening the protesters. And then the guy who was driving the car allegedly just points a handgun out of the window and blasted. They said they, they heard five shots. Uh, Garrett Foster just dropped. I think it was pronounced dead uh, after an ambulance picked him up. Mm. Um, and so everybody's pretty raw and upset about it. And there's really not, you know, there's not a boogeyman to blame. You can't really blame the cops for that one. You can't blame BLM for that one. It's an unknown guy in a car that just. Well, they they have a suspect. Him. They have a suspect in custody. So. They do, but they don't name him, and they said he's cooperative with police. So I'm wondering if maybe it's just a regular guy had a bad day, saw a guy coming at him with an AK and let fly. I mean, I could see you know somebody yeah. doing that. That's going to be the interesting part of the case, but I mean, his his excuse is, is possibly going to be, well, I saw the gun and I was and I got scared and I panicked. I was scared, and that would be that would be my defense if I was the guy. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you know, yeah. yeah. What else are you going to say? Witnesses that say he initiated the aggression because he was gunning his engine, you know, towards protesters. 
I mean, it's going to be who it's going to be an interesting case to watch, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I would still, I mean, if I was the judge, just based on the information I have, it sounds like an open and shut case. Like, you can't just blast somebody uh, out the, you know, you can't yeah. just shoot somebody. Come on. <laughs> right. I mean, he didn't, not, he didn't have his gun drawn and pointed, right? He, would he have he it just not, around, no. his, around yep. his... Yeah. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> and in Texas, especially near the Capitol, like on that street on Congress, Texas Texans march in armed protests often. It's not an, a, a unique thing. And yeah. this guy was apparently armed at every protest for the past 55 days. Right. And we're an open carry state. We're a gun state. Everybody has a gun. Lots of people have AR and AKs. Um, so, yeah, that's if you see a guy on Congress in a protest with a gun, that doesn't raise a red flag to me. And that shouldn't raise a red flag to most Texans. Right. Yeah. No, he's that guy's in a world of trouble uh, for sure. And he should be. I mean, that's that's uh, a yeah. murder. <laughs> yeah, if it was Maryland, it would probably be a different case. You know, they'd be like, oh, well, of course you were scared. In Texas, they're like, no, somebody walks up to you with a gun. What the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, if it's on your his shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess it's kind of one of those things um, where people are – People are shooting, and this one may not have been politically motivated at all, but we're in a, a world right now where you can go out to a protest and get shot, you know, and die. Have this you seen, the first guy that died. <laughs> have you guys seen the pictures, the rubber bullet pictures of these protests? People that have welts all over their bodies from rubber bullets? Anybody yeah. seen those? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, and here in Austin, the police were shooting them directly at people's faces like right. apparently you're supposed to point them at the ground kind of have the bounce like a, it's a tennis swing right you got to bounce it off the ground first for it to be fair um <laughs> i don't know i don't know what they're trained i would assume That's, you're supposed to aim for the center of mass like with a regular gun but probably the not the face reporting that with the specific like the big rubber ones that come out of shotguns they may even have a specific gun just for those uh and you're supposed to point them at the ground and bounce them and i did that, not that know big, that yeah, that way wow. they don't hit somebody directly in the face because there's too much force. You know, a bullet that size, even if it's rubber, if it hits you in the head. And they have put people in hospitals here in Austin uh, with, mm. with that type of munition. It can still bounce off the ground and hit somebody in the face, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, what the pre- that's, that's what the press was reporting the cops is quoting, is that you know, technically we're supposed, to, we're supposed to shoot it, bounce it. They even had like a little infographic, like a little yeah. dot, dot, dot diagram. I, mean, I guess going. it dissipates some of the power if you do that. Yeah, yeah, right. It's still not going to be. It's still not going to be uh, pleasant if it hits you right in the face. <laughs> right. Is this, lo- is this local PD that are that are doing this, is, or is this a federal agents? But they're not. They're not in Texas yet, right? They're just like no. In, here, in, here in Austin, it's still APD. But okay. uh, Austinites have a very bad relationship with Austin Police Department. Um, they've they've been killing people since before it was cool, I guess we say, and it's always a big deal here. Like everybody always gets really pissed when the cops murk a guy here um because we're we're a real laid-back town man like, Dude, we don't you're have making me want to move to texas huh you're making me want to move to texas <laughs> so you get murked by Good. a cop isn't, nice isn't austin for no, the boog i mean most of texas is very conservative but I, I thought that austin was known as more of a liberal city or more of a democrat city i'm not they say that yeah and democrats love to call it their little blue island but i've lived here for off and on at least a decade and it's not really like i mean it's not like you living in california or like okay. it's not a californian liberal vibe to it right like mm-hmm. guns are cool people people aren't really big into gun control 
and they are really big into self-reliance and self-dependence. Like we still have all of Texas around us, Yeah, you know, so there's some liberal ideals that filter in and there's a lot of Californians that do come and that mm-hmm. do vote and that do, you know, have tech jobs and, and are about town. But to me, the Austin vibe isn't like democratic. It's, it's liberal in the sense of like when I think of Austinites and how most of them feel and behave, I think of like Scott Horton. If anybody listens to the Scott Horton show, kind of like laid back or, or Matthew McConaughey, like Matthew McConaughey's character and Jason, like we're all just kind of laid back. We want to get, get wasted occasionally, have fun, be cool. And everybody just be cool, you know? All right. Yeah. It's, um, is it music and arts? It's big into like music. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like everybody's in a band. Everybody knows somebody in a band. Everybody's cool, man. Everybody, Everybody smokes a little yeah. herb here and there. You know, it's Austin. <laughs> it's, that's what it's known for. What is um, that saying is keep Austin weird, right? Keep Austin weird. We got the murals, and we're just weird, man. We're, we're weird, <laughs> but in a cool way. Um, How much I your house like is there? What's that? How much your house is? When the Californians started moving in, they got real pricey. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think the median house price for in the city limits is around 600K, or at least it was before. Jesus. I don't know if it's gone up or down. But that's why everybody moves to the little outskirts here like like we did. Um, that's what I cheap, want. Get cheaper stuff on the outskirts. And Austin's not that big of a town anyway. Like, I say I live rural. I have to drive up the hill for internet because, you know, there's no cable to my house. But I still drive 20 minutes and I'm in, you know, a big town. I drive 30 minutes and I'm downtown. Right. So, I mean, it's not like I'm in LA or Houston where I drive one hour and I'm still in the sprawl, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm in the Hills, but I'm still just 30, 40 minutes from downtown. I'm sold, man. I'm moving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'd love it. We, we, we love Liberty folks here. So definitely. Yeah. So guys, um, so what is this? Uh, U.S. troops are in, in some, some other cities right now, right? Uh, they're in Chicago. I don't know if they're in there, but they're talking about expanding the program from Portland to other cities. And I know like other cities are um, pushing back against that. Um, you know, Portland, the Portland mayor is opposed to having the, fed- the federal troops activities. But anyway, yeah, they're talking about expanding into Chicago, possibly Baltimore, um, you know, which is we obviously have a lot of crime here, but I, I don't really see the need for federal pr- um, troops on our streets, personally. Like, well, the Chicago a... mayor, didn't, didn't she accept it? Like, originally she was critical, and then she said, well, I guess if they're going to add resources, then it could be a good thing. I, I don't know. I, I hadn't heard that. But uh, money talks, so if there's money in it for the Chicago mayor, I could see her changing her opinion on that. <laughs> you know, equipment and... I don't know, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know, man, like any kind when you have an, a conflict like that, just to me, it seems like they escalate it. It makes it worse, you yeah. know? Um, and, and I've got, I haven't gotten any clear information. I just hear both sides have their talking points, right? So I, I listen to this guy, Michael Savage sometimes, um, and he's like a nationalist. He's a, a conservative nationalist, Trump guy. And, you know, these guys are always about the law and order. And, you know, he's like, 
Antifa, these guys are domestic terrorists. This is why the Department of Homeland Security was established, was to crush these kinds of people. And we need, you know, Trump's doing absolutely the right thing. Um, and then he goes on and on about all these stories that he's telling. And he's like, well, the, the protesters, they, they barricaded some federal employees in a building and tried to burn it down while they were in there. And I don't know if that ever, if that happened or not, but he's, you know, harping on it and, you know, talking about how this is like a war in the streets. And, and I don't, in the video I watched, the guy was just standing on the sidewalk. So I guess from my perspective, I'm like, I, are they, what are these troops doing? Are they patrolling around Portland? Are they, are they just around this federal courthouse trying to protect that one building? What is going on? I have no idea. So I, I just read things from all sides and I don't know what to believe. Well, I think you're right that it's a dangerous situation because they're there. I mean, if, if the feds have a big contingent of troops and fatigues hanging around, like you said, that just is an opportunity for conflict. Um, and now there's like moms marching out, moms against feds marching against, I mean, what happens when one of these guys pepper sprays a mom in the face or shoots one with a non uh, less than lethal round and she dies? What uh, if they made like a group called MILFs against feds? Would, would you support that? A hundred percent. Anybody <laughs> against feds. <laughs> What's going to happen when they kill the first Karen? <laughs> oh, shit. I don't, I don't know. I, people keep saying the Karens are like anti-mask. I would think a Karen would be pro-mask. There's, there's both sides of the coin, dude. Yeah, I would say there's both sides. Dude, I hate the Karen thing. I really do. My sister's name is Karen. And I just <laughs> talked to her the other day. And I got a friend, listen to this, I got a friend request from her. And uh, it says K. Ren. Like she actually changed her, you know, name. <laughs> and I like text her. I was like, wait, is this you sending me a friend request? And she was like, yeah. I was like, what's this K. Ren thing going on? She was like, you know, we started talking about the whole Karen thing. She was like, I called up my utilities to, and I, I had to talk to somebody about my bill and I, I had to ask for a manager. And so all of a sudden the operator like holds the phone down. I was like, uh, I need a manager. I have Karen on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that fucking sucks, man. Because, you know, she's, okay, these Karens are middle-aged entitled racist people and she is not the last thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> she's only two out of three. She's two out of those three things, man. That doesn't make her, you know, Some, she's as entitled as all of us are. You know, somebody in this is changing to K Ren. She was, she was like, I'm thinking about going with Ren. I was like, this. I was like, go with K Bone. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rapper name. Somebody invo invited me to a Facebook group called the Kyle and Karen Sanctuary. <laughs> They're trying this to make is, Kyle. The, what's his name? Matt Bergman. <laughs> it says this is a place for Kyles and Karens, where where Kyles and Karens can step away from the world that spits in our faces and comes and come together. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll see my sister in that group. It's been worse for uh, Karens than Kyles. I think Kyles get that like uh, you're the monster energy adrenaline junkie. Yeah, you know. like drywall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys probably don't get it as bad as uh, other people get it who have to, like, deal with Kyle's, though. <laughs> <laughs> Worse dealing with a Kyle than being a Kyle. <laughs>
But yeah, um, so dude, what's about what's up with the Chinese uh, retaliation? So the the Chinese consulate in Houston was closed, right? So so what's what's China doing now? So they closed the Chengdu consulate, basically like a tit for tat, which I guess is kind of good because they didn't escalate, right? They didn't do something worse; they just did something equal to. But the language that both officials, the Chinese officials, and then Mike Pompeo did. Like they were basically insulting each other. Like Pompeo went off on how China was stealing IP. Like that was the main thing. China, I mean, somebody page St- Stefan Kinsella here because <laughs> the stealing of IP might cause Pigeon a war. Kinsella. <laughs> and uh, China said that um, that the U.S. statements were full of vicious anti-Chinese po- propaganda, and so in retaliation they closed the the consulate in Chengdu. So, I mean, I don't know how big of a city that is or how important it is, um, but I, I would assume it's similar to Houston, uh, yeah. relatively. I read there was a fire. I'm looking for the... Yeah, they were burning documents in there. Oh. Okay. Is, is that, so was is that, that true? where the stealing IP came from? Like, those were all uh, screenplays that they were stealing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the, the theory is that it was, they were spying on, I guess, coronavirus stuff, like vaccine development or something. Yeah, they, that's what I heard. And which I don't like, I don't understand why that needs to be spied. Why isn't that just being shared with everybody? Yeah. I mean, like, like it well, seems like, like why are we all just working together on that one? This doesn't seem like if everybody shared this information, uh, they could like work together and we would come up with the vaccine so much quicker. Like this is, just I mean, I feel like there are some private companies that are probably doing that, but yeah, the, yeah, it's stupid. Um, but yeah, they were, yeah, they were apparently burning documents in like the, I guess they, from what I could tell, they had, like the building had like sort of like a center courtyard or whatever. And then in that, they had like a dumpster and you could just see like flames like shooting out, like smoke billowing out of the dumpster. Well, I guess what worries me more than just the closing of the consulates is the things Pompeo was saying. Like it seems like the consulate closing was him trying to pick a fight. And it seems like a horrible time to pick a fight, a new, I mean, maybe. Maybe that's the thing. We're going to end the wars in uh, the Middle East and have a war in China. But Pompeo said, today China is increasingly authoritarian at home and more aggressive in its hostility to freedom everywhere. The free world must triumph over this new tyranny. Like that's some Woodrow Wilson level quotage right there. I mean, it sounds like he's talking about the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, he's projecting. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but I mean, that doesn't bode well to anybody, does it? Like nobody wants that, do they? No, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I don't know if we could get into a hot war with China though. That would be kind of, that'd be kind of crazy. And it seems like a cold war with China, unlike Russia, like a cold war with Russia means a bunch of money for a bunch of interest like Lockheed. But Mm -hmm. I would figure we make more money from the Chinese trading with them peacefully than having a cold war with them. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's where all of our manufacturing is happening, right? Marco Rubio, here I got a quote for you. Marco Rubio says, China's consulate in Houston is not a diplomatic facility. It is the central node of the Communist Party's vast network of spies and influence operations in the United States. Now that building must close and the spies have 72 hours to leave or face arrest. This needed to happen. 
And then, and then this other guy, I don't know who this is, he says, it's been there since 1979, so the U.S. has allowed the central node of the Communist Party and their vast network of spies for over 40 years. Why is it just now an issue? Which is another That's good really point. That's really interesting, too, yeah, <laughs> because that would have been put there after Nixon went to China, and Pompeo's speech was at the Richard Nixon Library, hmm. where he's basically closing this relationship with China, or at least sounds like he is. Wow. So, is there another consulate in the U.S.? Another well, I mean, Chinese consulate, or they're the main embassy, right in D.C. Right. I, I, there's a, that, and then I would imagine there's other smaller, but I don't know, man. I never, yeah. I never looked up Chinese consulates before. But we I don't. Know. What is the? Di <laughs> does anyone know the difference between a consulate and an embassy? Yeah, I was trying to figure that out yesterday, or not yesterday, last last podcast, but it was. <laughs> I was struggling to understand all the uh, government gobbledygook language that was wrapped around it, but for all intents so and purposes, like they like seem to be very similar. What's up? They're like substations, I think, kind of like how you have you can have a police department, then you have like a substation. Right. I think they're just smaller places for different regions. Uh, I'm guessing because different regions do different, you know, huge trade deals with China, uh, but it looks like there's five according to ChineseEmbassy.org. There's five, well now four, four consulates. Four. <laughs> they need to update that. <laughs> yeah, they need to update it. And then um, the, the main embassy in D.C., and then there's other consulates in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and L.A., and formerly Houston. Um, I don't know if they're uh, the hub of a net vast network of spies or just a place <laughs> where uh, Chinese citizens can deal with kind of matters that are you know that they have it problems or issues with you you know you have a contact back to your own government i guess um i don't know you know it does seem a little fishy that if if we knew this was the hub of a spying network that we let it go on through the cold war and everything else um or you know for 40 years i guess would have been 1980 so i've also read that it is pretty typical although i guess this doesn't happen frequently but when it does happen that they will destroy documents and things that are inside because they just you know it's their national property or whatever like they don't they don't want it to just get out so it might not have been anything specifically nefarious or maybe what have you, just, but it does look weird maybe they're just going paperless <laughs> <laughs> the reds are going crazy. maybe they're maybe they're going onto the blockchain yeah, yeah, we we use a shredding company, you know, same uh, same difference. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, also, uh, both Bitcoin and gold have been rising. Juice box. Yeah, what the fuck is that, dude? Yeah, Pedia short. Juice box, uh, juice box time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's about to break out the orange slices. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Bitcoin and gold have both been rising. And I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, right now, you know, for the past like few months, you know, you could uh, be laid off, you know what I mean? And you, you get like a $600 bonus from the government. So like, you know, I, I know a lot of people that, you know, they're getting their unemployment in this $600 bonus and they're now making more money every week than they were making when they were working, right? Where does all this money come from? So, I mean, could it be that it's not like the price of gold is going up, but it's like the price of the dollars going down? No, because you would see the price of everything going up, right? Not just gold. If the dollar was in in sharp decline, but you're not seeing gas prices uh, skyrocketing and, 
you know, rent skyrocketing, food prices skyrocketing, you know, this, I think um, this is just a, it's sort of a fear trade gold and, and Bitcoin too, just to some extent are um, fear investments. It's like things are not good things. Uh, I'm concerned about the economy. And I think people are concerned that um, the recovery from COVID is going to be slower than expected. Um, this is going to have a longer impact. Um, they're talking about, you know, additional stimulus measures being needed. So I think that there's fear in the in the marketplace, and I think people are buying gold because of that. You know, now Peter Schiff, well, I've, I've heard, you know, he'll say, oh, this is the death of the dollar. This is it. You know, <laughs> it's all going down in flames. But I just think that this is, I think it's a COVID response. I think it's COVID is turning out to be worse than we expected. And uh, this is a flight to safety for gold. But I think that's probably at the, the same rational. time, wouldn't it be great if, if Peter Schiff was right? Because I think he said that uh, we were going to have a gold standard that the world just embraces, like without any kind of legislation, just that'll be the default they fall back to when the dollar ceases to be the world reserve currency. Definitely, I don't think there's any proof that that's happening now. But that'd be cool, right? I mean, I'd, I'd be stoked if, uh, if we would have some kind of new market-based currency that, that replaced the dollar, that replaced the Fed's manipulation. Yeah, I, I mean, what I don't know. What if that know. was just the, you know, what if that just became the yuan? Or the Chinese, the yuan. Chinese, or the yuan, sorry. The Chinese the, yuan. The yuan. <laughs> the yuan Um Yeah, I don't see, yuan, I don't yeah. know. I read I read a great article, which I should share with you guys on one of the sites that was just like, this is why it won't be, that the yuan, the yuan won't replace the dollar. And it's just, it was talking about their bond markets. And um, I don't know. It was just like, look, it, it's just not going to happen anytime mm -hmm. soon so a lot of you could ever get americans to trade in yuans like no you don't it's not using the foreign currency it's governments would take that currency oh, okay. as their as their it's new their standard in, the world for reserve. the reserves the world reserve okay. yeah gotcha. and um yeah you would think at some point the world is going to realize that we have way too much debt and we're never going to pay it back but um I thought, I, it just doesn't seem to happen, you know. There's just it seems to be an endless demand for dollars overseas. You know, like countries like Zimbabwe, where they've destroyed their local currency, people want dollars. In Venezuela, they want dollars. Like there's international demand for dollars because as bad as it is, like a lot of these other countries have even worse currencies than the U.S. dollar, which is which is crazy. <laughs> but does it last? For, does does it last forever? I mean, doesn't it have a limit? Don't isn't there a limit, or is it just infinite? Well, I, this is what we've seen, you know, people have been calling for the death of the dollar for the last, like, you know, since 1973 or whenever we went off the gold standard. So 1971, Kyle, sorry. Um, and, uh, it just hasn't happened. It's been a slow decline. And so there's really no reason why that slow decline can't continue in perpetuity. I mean, you just, I remember when draft beers were all $3, that was the expensive beer. And now they're all $5. So it's just over time, you just see this slow decay of the dollar, but you don't see this huge drop. You don't see the 100%, 200% a year inflation rate like they have in these other countries. So I mean, even with a slow decline, is that sustainable? It's been sustainable. We keep doing yeah. it. Well, it's been sustainable, but you're talking about 40 years. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what the time frame for this is, right? I mean, in, I know in some countries, it's... You know, it, it it can vary. It can it it seems to depend on a lot of other factors. Oh, there's a ton of but, factors, but I mean, as of right now, like you can still go to the store and buy stuff with your. Yeah, dollars I mean, I'm not and, saying we're anywhere near collapse. Yeah, but one would think at some point 
it's well, something also, like that could happen. And don't things happen way faster than we think they will sometimes? I mean, the whole COVID thing where the country locked down in like a month, like one month after the middle of March, the world's been completely different and almost since. Like, we can have black swan events or just sure. drastic changes. Uh, I'm not saying that will happen to the dollar, but I guess I'm saying it could happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any faith in the dollar. I mean, I'm a libertarian and I understand they're just, they're just creating money uh, out of thin air to pay for these enormous deficits. So, you know, I, you can buy anything. It doesn't have to be gold. You can buy anything else other than dollars. You can invest in uh, stocks or uh, property, any kind of asset, you know, collectibles. I got a friend that buys baseball cards. Kyle, uh, do you think uh, Peter Schiff's prediction about the, this, depression uh, is false um I, so here's the thing about peter so i was listening to him on joe rogan the other day and he, he i actually talked, just finished that podcast today so that's he's so he's very smart and he talks very fast and he mixes a lot of stuff that's true and correct with stuff that's not quite correct or not true and it's hard for a listener to pick through it and be like, okay, he's right about that, but he's wrong about that. And so I just would take him with a grain of salt. Is there um, one thing that you heard from his Joe Rogan podcast that you'd be like, oh, he was definitely wrong about that? Definitely wrong. Um, I, I don't see the, the high inflation rate that he's talking about because the system that we have is based on debt and in order for us to have like a, a soaring money supply, um, people would really have to be borrowing a lot of money. You'd have to see the credit expansion. And then we would have to see like a international demand for dollars really decline. You know, there'd just have to be sort of a worldwide rejection of the dollar. And I just don't see that happening. I see us kind of limping along. And uh, I mean, you know, we went through what, four QEs? And the dollar index is like, it went up to like 100. It went from like 70 up to like 100. Like the dollar strengthened through all of that, which was insane, you know. <laughs> but it did. I mean, gas prices have gone from $4 to like $2. They were, it was like in the dollar 30, you know. So I just, I guess I'm not as bearish on the dollar as he is, but I, I'm pretty bearish as far as just. But maybe this. it's not even the dollar collapsing. Maybe it's just all the bubbles that these monetary policies are creating. Like we're going to see an education bubble pop very soon if it hasn't already begun. Right. And that's all, I mean, it's all connected to that. What, what do you mean? To what, which education bubble? Like, like higher education. Loan? Yeah. Higher education. Yeah. yeah I mean, phones and stuff. What's that? Like a mass default on student loans or something like that, where just nobody's paying. Well, back. unfortunately you can't, well, yeah, you can't really default, but yeah, if, if people just can't pay it, you know, it's essentially the same. They just yeah, if they can't pay it, they can't wage pay garnishes. it. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge problem. And of course, the government is like guaranteeing, I guess, a lot of these student loans or, you know, which gets the students lower interest rates and, and things like that, okay, which is so, not, not good. Right. Okay, so like, what if, what if we had like a, like a mass default on student loans, right? Like, what if like, uh, you know say Bernie Sanders gets elected, right? And, uh, you know, he says, okay, nobody has to pay back their student loans. Like, what would that do? Well, who holds that receivable, right? Who, uh, who holds that IOU? That's the who's going to take the loss. The if, yeah. it's the gov if it's the banks, if it's a bank that made the loan or if it's a bank that backed the loan, 
you know, and you have to be careful with bank defaults because banks have creditors, which is you as a depositor. If bank of, if you use Bank of America and Bank of America goes belly up, then you as a depositor, your savings are at risk, you know? So it's, it's kind of a vicious circle there. Yeah, but I mean, okay, but well, what if it happened, right? And then the government just stopped dealing with uh, college loans. I mean, so that would, that would, might be a good thing, right? That could be. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, the government takes enormous financial losses. You know, they bailed out Fannie and Freddie, and they continue to operate those institutions at huge losses. And um, I, I guess the way you end up seeing the impact is just on – a weaker economy in general, you know, and you Matt, had- they say, you know, sure. Bernie says he's going to get rid of student loans or whatever, or forgive student loans. But I mean, that doesn't mean that it's going to get the government out of higher education. In fact, he wants the government to basically take over higher education and guarantee higher education. So yeah, I don't yeah. think that would be good at all. I mean, the best would just be a natural, make it legal for these people to default, which it isn't. You can't default on a student loan. Um, so get rid of that and then let people default and just, you know, tear the, tear the fucking bandaid off. Cause it's going to happen. It's going to happen eventually. People are just going to stop going to college. I mean, it, you know, or it's just going to be the, just the elites. Well, so. a lot, a lot of people are already kind of going, Hey, is this really worth it? Right. It's exactly. worth it for me to take on all this debt and then I get a degree and then I can't find a job and now I just have a bunch of debt, you know? So that's a, right. that's a calculation everybody has to do for themselves. But I mean, I, I think people should, you know, ideally pay back their loans. You borrowed money, you know, with the understanding that you were going to owe it back. Right. So well, try, back. To, try to pay it back. <laughs> it's not hard in a lot of cases. And I think the government, the federal government was buying up a lot of them. They bought my loan. They bought my wife's loan debt. And then the feds own it, right? So they already paid back the original creditors. And then it just becomes government funny money like everything else. Probably way smaller than the government spends on like the Pentagon's budget or the war budget or anything like that. And then because they don't really care about it, they give you all these programs like all you have to do is say you make such and such amount of money and they're like 25, 50 bucks a month or something like that. So most people just, it's just some small expense that they just expect to pay. Like I imagine I'll be paying my student loans for 25, 50 years just because it's such a small bill. I don't really care about it. It just sits on autopilot, does its auto pay thing. And then during COVID, I think they stopped it. Like I got an email a couple of weeks ago that they're not taking any more payments. They're just leaving the student loan where it is zero dollar payments for the next who knows when. And it's not like the government really cares. They're not going to get on my ass about it. They're a wonderful lender, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they don't care. <laughs> Big money. They pay us back if you feel like it, you know. We yeah. don't really care. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Gosh. Yeah, so but I guess I guess my point uh, before I, I said that, I was also thinking, I don't know, I feel like a lot of these kids when I was young, when I was eighteen, I wasn't a libertarian. I was a statist. I had no idea what the world was. Everybody my whole life had told me to go to college, had super high grades, ninth in my class. Um, they were like, you got to go to college. It's what you do. Uh, and every adult in my life told me, get, do whatever you want to do in college. It doesn't matter. Just get that degree, go to college, and you're going to be fine. And then I got a degree in broadcast journalism. I got, I got a job. I was on TV, but I was defending cops and prosecutors all day, every day. 
and I hated it. And so I you're, like, you're on TV, like, huh? You're on TV. I was. I was uh, an, a weekend a weekend anchor and a weeknight reporter at the ABC station in Wyoming. And then uh, I moved. Oh, please tell me you got a sizzle reel or something of like your. You could Google me. My my goodbye reel is kind of funny. If yeah. You Google, yeah. Google Nima Vidati. Totally. Goodbye. You check totally that out. Totally doing that. What's a sizzle reel though? Like just a, a blooper reel? It's like a clip. You know, no, it's, it's like, like a highlight reel. Yeah, like a highlight reel. Oh, I have those too. Yeah, but uh, I didn't make a reel at my second job just because I hated it so much. Um, it was a CBS affiliate in Washington State, Eastern Washington State, which is like very conservative state, like red state statist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and when the cops the guy, I just asked too many questions and the prosecutor hated my guts and stopped inviting me to press conferences. And I didn't feel like my new staff was really on my side either. Like the ideas I pitched, they never liked. Like I pitched this idea because housing prices were really high. I pitched this idea about a guy I knew that was in the housing industry and he had this whole plan for making houses they were 50% cheaper than all the, the market rate of the houses. And all he needed to do was get rid of these very specific regulations that he said were pointless and just made his costs go higher. They didn't let me do it. They didn't want me to do that. They're like, don't do something like that. It's dumb. Every single story had to end with, and this is the law that we think should happen is what it seemed like. Not explicitly, but it's like the government's doing nothing. What are city council members doing for this and that? And at that point I was full blown anarchist. I just couldn't do it. Uh, it's just not going to work out. And then, yeah, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't surprise me to hear that you were a, a broadcaster because you talk good like me. I talk good. I'm in the country, but I still talk good. So, uh, guys, I think uh, we're we're about out of time here. We're going to head on over to the After Hours program. If you want to check out our after hours program, go to patreon.com forward slash punk rock libertarians and contribute a minimum of $1 per month and you'll gain access to our after hours program. We have t-shirts over at uh, libertariancountry.com. If you type in the code PRL or the code PRL podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount. If you spend $50 or more and you type in the code PRL2, you'll receive a 20% discount. This podcast is brought to you in part by Conversations About Freedom podcast, hosted by Moral Bob. Until next time, live free. Or die. Or die. Statism is blood break with the blood that is shed. Drenching the flags on the tax bombs in red. Was it by a few at the expense of the many? Soldiers and gods and the machine. You can't justify killing by economic gain. God, country, democracy You get the freedom and death point In a fine land You support the truth, then bring them home I believe the jokes Will do the best for you And I believe that we Have the power Have the power I hate the state And I know I'm a slave We can make a break Break the power Break the power The violence of the state becomes obsolete!